Welcome back to Third Base Dugout, episode 89. And Mike, we have a celebrity on the podcast today. We do. Our, our, our guy is officially famous now. Oh, yeah. Like, I just got 2,000 impressions on a tweet because of Shelly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's one of those moments where you're just happy to be like friends with a guy. You know, it's like, it's like that vicarious uh, fame that you get from knowing a guy. So, because of the fact I do a podcast with this guy every once in a while when he's, you know, not in his busy schedule, you know, you get some of that residual fame from it. <laughs> hey, you know what? If you're going to go somewhat viral, at least it was for something good, you know, because it could have it could have been a big, you know, could have gone the other way. You could have, like, fallen flat on your face running to first base or something. That would have been bad. That would have been really bad. But I feel like at the same time, it would have been fun to make fun of myself at the same time. But Also very true. I'll take, I'll take it. Hitting a homer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it's pretty sick. So if, if you um, if you didn't get the chance to check it out, go follow our Twitter page, Third Base Dugout, and go look at the video. That is the last video that I posted, I believe. Um, it is Shelly hitting a walk-off home run off of the backup quarterback for UVA. And by backup quarterback, I mean a guy that throws mid to upper 90s. Um, walk-off two-run nuke in the 11th, was it, Shelly, or 10th? Yeah. 10th, 10th inning. They blew a seven. They did blow a seven to two lead, but we will escape that. Um, yeah, we, still we still won. That's 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 what matters. That's the important part. We need like, I think they're like eighth ranked team in the country. Yeah, yeah. Hey, a dub's a hey, dub. Because dub's a dub. so if if they don't blow that lead, Shelly doesn't have that moment. Exactly. So, However, then Shelly would have would have still had a big moment in the game though, having the RBI single. That's true. So. Shelly's all over the field, but you know what? Here we go. Little little interview time. Little interview time. How, how did it feel, Shelly? How, how did it feel coming off the bat? What did it feel running around the bases? Celebration at the end? Ooh, felt really, really good. Felt really, really good. Uh, very, very stock answer there. We're gonna we need a little more out of you. <laughs> oh man! All right, so I got to the three-one count, and I told myself you got to sell it for a fastball down the middle because if you sit there and guess. He's going to blow 94 by you. I guessed right. My instincts were right. And I didn't feel the ball off the bat at all, which is a good thing because usually when you, when that happens, it means you, you, I mean, you got all of it. And I took like two or three steps out of the box and I was still holding the bat and I was watching. I'm like, that ball's definitely out of here. I got to flip this bat. And there was a split second where I was like, should I throw it into their dugout? Just be mad disrespectful. I was like, nah, I'm just going to do the quick, you know, quick hard flip. Did it. Got, and then started running the bases. I think I probably ran the bases. Oh, you you ran about a 4-3 running around the bases. I was flying, yelling some choice words. I think there's a video where you can see what I say. <laughs> um, not family friendly at all, but big moment. Things happen. Um it was – it felt like a movie. It was it was easily one of the coolest things that I think I've done in my, my baseball career, especially because I grew up going to UVA games, like seeing some of those great teams that they had, getting a chance to play against them. First off, was awesome. The, the environment was awesome. Even though I think – and, Brian, you can probably back me up here. I think there's more UVA fans there than BCU fans. I said that about three times during the game. It's like we were only there until the seventh, and there was a lot of orange shirts there. Yeah, I looked like when I was walking to the dugout, because I try not to like 
like it, I know at Old Miss, I definitely tried not to look into the stands because I mean, <laughs> shoot, there there was no VC fans nope. except for a couple of parents that made the trip. But it was weird at the Diamond because usually there's only like you know 100, 200 people there and to see like the whole lower bowl field. I was like, well, this is gonna be a fun one, and it was. That was a that was a crazy game. Like we had <laughs> it was playing small. Usually the Diamond's notorious for being a a pitcher friendly ballpark. But yeah, I mean, y'all, y'all shortstop uh, Connor Highsag had. I mean, that grand slam earlier in the game that was it was pretty loud there. I mean, oh, it got like, loud. These two fans showed out and were very energetic. Scotty O'Brien with a backside bomb, mm-hmm. getting the start, and then made a Sports Center top ten play in center too. They, they need to get the video out on that. I think it was awesome. He's uh, he's, he made. Did he make? Was it was it him or Jesse that made the play at the end of the Richmond game on Saturday? Yeah, yeah Jesse. Yeah, that was. He also took a terrible jump on that, but we won't talk about that. Um, <laughs> it took like four steps back and had to just sprint in and then dive. Um, hey, guess what? Still made the play. Hey, you know, hey, look. At the end of the day, you're you're catching a baseball, and that's that, that's a tough thing to do. I think the um, best part from that was at the end of game three, where we won the series. He he hit the gritty on the spider logo. <laughs> that makes up for any bad jump that he ever has in the outfield. That's incredible. That is incredible, even though I got shut out in game one, but we won't talk about that either. Uh, yeah, I, by our friend, which, actually, by Brock. Yeah. It's yeah. Crazy. And we went we went viral again. Uh, he hit the jazz hands on us when he struck struck one of our guys out. So we that's a tough look. We have a tendency to go viral here at BCU. I think we went twice in the three times at the beginning of the year on homers. That guy's absolutely destroyed and then bat flipped and then oh one of them was uh like uh tywone malone from old miss plays football there got like a got an ab you know and they were beating us pretty good and he had a bomb that went viral too that was not cool <laughs> <laughs> it's always good to be on the right side of the viral video 100 yeah. percent. you can control the narrative better yep yep but I, I think what we all really want to know, though, because, like, we appreciate you for answering the question about how it felt, you know, the celebration at that time. What was the post-game celebration like for Shelley? Cool. Uh, <laughs> nothing special. <clears throat> Lots of booze. I uh, know. <laughs> Earmuffs, children. Earmuffs. <laughs> Uh, Your showers so- in the locker room. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got a uh, ate some lasagna. Came home, my girlfriend got me M and M's, peanut M and M's, my favorite, my favorite candy. Nice. So I, I, to- I only laugh because that's the most Shelly thing ever. It's like Shelly right. comes home, hits a walk off bomb off a guy throwing ninety five, the number eight team in the country. Comes home, eats lasagna, and just hangs with his girlfriend. And yeah, I think you're the only person in America that doesn't go out that night and just get absolutely blasted. Oh, yeah, man. My, my legs hurt, were, 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 were sore after that. I was the, the adrenaline wore off. I was like, man, I am tired. The, the young me, like if I'm in that situation, you would probably have to like pull me off of the bar because I would be in there stone cold, like stone cold <laughs> with two beers, just letting him fly. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have a pen on the hip waiting to sign autographs for anyone that comes right. in. Oh, yeah. I, w- I would have milked every minute of it. That would have, the crazy thing is, that could have been my only hit in college <laughs> and I would have lived it up like no, 
I would have been Uncle Rico of baseball at that point. <laughs> like, you remember that time? The best you part know, Bobby Boucher. Is, is I have video evidence of it. So if 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 anyone ever questions that if it happened, I have I have proof now. I don't have there. proof of the other two homers I've hit in college, which is unfortunate, but I could get those. Dude, do you realize I could? Like, I would have tried to make that, like, my screensaver. Like, it just would have been a video on loop. Like, I would have constantly had to leave my phone on the charger because that video would have been playing in the background or just the audio of them screaming, it's gone. Like, whatever they were screaming, like, that would have been my ringtone. I would – graduation, I would have been still playing the same thing. Like, but, hey, so I give you credit for going home eating lasagna and, like, you know, okay. eating m ms because, seriously, at graduation – I would have had that audio queued up and somebody would have played it when they called my name to walk across the stage. That's oh. what it played. That video would have played no matter where I we were. I hacked the Bluetooth speakers. I got to give a shout <laughs> out to our media guy, though, Tyrone. He made a sweet edit of, the, of it. It was that guy. That guy's phenomenal. You talking about the, the reel on Instagram? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was he, cool he, I'll tell you what, we have some really, really, really good hype videos. And he makes all of them. Yeah, it's pretty nice. sick. That's pretty sick. Well, um, congratulations to you. One more the play. The, the, the play-by-play guys, they need to shout out to. They, they had a really oh, that, that was a good call. That was a good call. Yeah. As a broadcaster myself, yeah, you have to appreciate a good call. And I, I listened to that many times and I did not get sick of hearing it. It was as, as a baseball purist, you got a, a walk-off call. You can easily mess it up, but it's really hard to make it good. Mm-hmm. Like I think I think those guys need a shout out that because was you can't really practice it. Like it, like no. there's it, it has to just flow emotion. out of your mouth. Like and, and it's so hard to just actually pick the right words in the right time for exactly. it. It's crazy. And like I think like the the color guy like screamed something like right when it like went up. It was about as good as you can get. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Don't go take notes, even though you're not doing baseball. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't think ESPN is going to make him do baseball. Right. So who don't is so. Uh, so just random question. We don't have to go far into this. If you can think about the best walk off homer call that you can think of, who would it be off top of your head? Best walk off. Incredibly biased take here. I feel like a Joe Castiglione, David Ortiz walk off one. Um, I think there's a very outlier answer to this question. Although Joe Carter. Yeah, touch them all, Joe. That's probably the best one. Okay, so my biased answer, uh, Ooh, Joe awesome. Buck. No, no, Joe Buck, oh. David Freeze. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Joe Buck was when, when he walked it off and he was like, and we will see you tomorrow. Like, mm-hmm. just like how subtle it was. Like you said, Shelly, it's hard to it's hard to make it a good one, but you can definitely mess it up, especially if you get too amped as an announcer. Yeah. You know, that kind of draws away from it, you know, but like Joe Buck's call for that David Freeze walk-off was definitely memorable for me. I actually, I got, a, I got a sneaky one too with Joe Buck. David Ortiz hit, a walk, hit the walk-off homer in the 04 ALCS. He said, we'll see you later tonight. It was like three it in the morning. It was the next morning, yeah. Yeah, that was, that was a good that one. Was that's, a good one. that's a good one. I, and I, I hate – I don't know I, how. I hate to say it, but in – I think it was – was it 17 – did they the Astros play the Yankees in the ALC, ALCS in 17? Yes, that was the Altuve one. That was the Altuve off of Chapman. That was a that was a really good call, but it was similar to the freeze. The 
Joe, Joe Buck's signature walk-off call, walk call in the postseason. We will see you tomorrow night. Like that. Like it's yeah. a it's a great call. And people give Joe Buck so much so much grief. Yeah, I think I, he is, actually does a talking, great job. Are we talking into uh, uh argument that Joe Buck is very good at announcing walk-offs? Look, I I used to be on the hill of Joe Buck is not a very good broadcaster. And I believe that I think off of the social media narrative that 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 people portray. And once you realize that social media is just a pit of toxicity and cesspool of just negativity, um, look actually into the broadcast and like, um, like just be amazed at how well he does so many different things in the broadcast. Joe Buck is a phenomenal broadcaster. I mean, you got to think, too, he carried Tim McCarver to, uh, in the prime of his broadcasting career. Mm-hmm. It's so the big leagues, that- man. <laughs> and and the now the way to beat a team is just score more runs more than runs are Right. <laughs> he was like the Yogi Bear of announcers. Like, the stuff that he would say would be so, like, off the wall, but it would make so much sense at that moment. You know, it's like, hey, best way to get the guy out is throw the ball and catch it. You're like <laughs> – it was almost no, right. so bad that it was good. He <laughs> has really struggled with color broadcasters. I mean, you got to think Tim McCarver, and that, which I mean, McCarver was fun to listen to. And then you yeah. had Smoltz, and I mean, I love Smoltz. That one of my favorite pitchers growing up. But like, he all he does is complain about baseball during the broadcast. And and at that point, you're like, whoa, let's let's calm down. But Joe Buck, Joe Buck still carried the broadcast to where I'm like, I want to listen to this. So just real quick, I would love to hear. A World Series game, not not this year, but next year, called with Joe Buck and Adam Wainwright. Like <laughs> Wainwright is phenomenal in the booth, you know. Like even from an overall perspective, pitching, hitting, deep, like the whole gambit of it, and he gives you great color with it. You know that I think that those two would make a great combo. You know, in a booth calling Sunday night games or even World Series games, because like I said, he's. John Smoltz does come across as a little, you know, grumpy at times. Um, but I think that Wainwright would be a great fit with Joe Buck there. Well, un- unfortunately, and I don't even think we mentioned it on the broadcast, Joe Buck is no longer on the World Series. Yep. Yeah, uh, because Joe Davis is now on the World Series. And again, a phenomenal broadcaster, a younger guy. So he will mm-hmm. likely be doing the World Series for quite some time, if I had to guess. Um, yeah. But it had, not having Joe Buck is going to stink. But Joe Davis, I mean, he, calls NFL big NFL games he calls um other big uh MLB games etc I don't know if he does I think he does a little bit of college basketball too if I might be if I'm not mistaken but um, all those top guys are so well versed yeah yeah he's gonna be really good though and I don't know who the I think it's I think it's him and Smoltz isn't it I would assume so I think it is yeah Yeah. candidate though our boy Kenny Mm, I would love yeah yeah I thought about it and I I I guess that's just getting into hockey season and everything. Um, I mean, Kenny Albert's got one of the, one of the all-time voices. Yeah, yeah. But Marv's is so much better for like in basketball. Gosh, like hearing a Marv Albert game is top ten for me. Like probably top top three, you know. And then actually Mike Breen, and I know we're kind of going off the rails here, yeah, but Mike Breen. Like, bang! Yes, that is it right there. You know, because it's like, it's so well-timed. He doesn't use that. It's like, if a guy hits a three early in the game, you know, he might give it a little love. But like, for example, when he's calling a Steph Curry game, if Steph gets hot in the first quarter, you'll get some bangs there. But it's sort of like he 
saves it until the last, you know, two to three minutes of the game, and then you hear it, and it's just, yeah. It's, um, like, a, it's like a Matt Baskersian Santa Maria. Like, he doesn't yeah. use it for every homer, because if he did, it'd be, it would, you know, it wouldn't have the same, it wouldn't hit the same. Can we pause for a moment and just take the time to um, point out the fact that Matt Baskersian is not in this conversation with these top broadcasters? I'm just saying. I'm just. I'm just my dude right, we're talking, has we're talking been catchphrase. brutal with the Angels this year. I talking, do just want to point that out. But we're talking catchphrase. Yes. Catch, we're talking catchphrase. The, San, the like, Santa Maria is, is always a good one. That's, that's yes. awesome. What's the Chicago White Sox guy? Says, Put it on the board. Yes. That's, that's I, I, I don't think he's. I don't think he's think broadcasting he's anymore, right? Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, because yeah. Benetti's the uh, play-by-play guy now. Then uh, the Yankees guy, it is high, it is far, it is It deep. is oh, guy. Yeah, yeah, John like, Sterling, yeah. Yeah, he he may need to uh, hang he's out. He's like 81, so yeah, we've got to cut him a little slack at this point. <laughs> he he uh, What was it? It was Stanton again, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, when it came up short. <laughs> oh, Stantonian <laughs> blast. And he caught it. <laughs> Like Hit that fly ball and like said, can't. Yeah, so the Yankees though were really spoiled with broadcasters because obviously you had Sterling on on the radio, but I mean you had um, Michael K as well. I mean Michael K was the see. Ya. I mean that's such an iconic home run call. Yeah, you know I, I'm not a personal fan of it because the crackly in the voice it just make, yeah, I don't know. But he, um, I mean they got so blessed with their home run calls. It's just yeah. the iconic video over and over again. You also like, got blessed with a with a willful ball field of a ballpark. That is true. So, I got so thrown off one time, like listening to a Cardinals game because it was just the audio of it, right? Like so Danny, Danny McLaughlin does the the he's the um play-by-play guy, right? And Jim Evans does color for most of the games or Brad Thompson. But this particular game, I was just listening to the audio of the game. I couldn't tell you who the guy was, but it was brutal. Like he <laughs> was an older guy, and it was just seemed like he was just rambling. But he had like this real, like slow, monotonic voice. And I'm like, if the game is moving this slow, I can see why people are mad because he was just so slow with every call. And then he went off like these wild tangents that had nothing to do with anything. I was like, what are what are we doing? Get him out of here. Being but, a radio guy is there's that's an art. Like being a good yeah. radio. Yeah. Well, broadcasters and art, yeah. especially I mean, especially baseball, you have to fill so much dead air. I mean, there's so right. much time in between pitches and between at bats. And I mean, you have so much that you have to try to talk about. Right. So I got one last suggestion for who I would love to hear call World Series, like a complete World Series. And that's Bob Euchre. Oh, love it. I would love to hear Bob Euchre just have a whole World Series to himself. So like. Whenever he's deciding, hey, I'm retiring, you know, let him call the World Series, whether the Brewers are there or not. Just get him on, you know, whatever channel we can to let Bob Euchre call a full World Series, even if for nothing else, you just to hear just a bit outside. Right. Like those things in and of itself, you know, would make ratings go through the roof. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I don't know why we haven't mentioned this one yet. But if Bob Costas got the call again for the World Series, I don't think anybody would complain. There is no – I mean, I and studied a lot of broadcasting. I spent this entire year studying broadcasters. There is no better broadcaster in the history of the world than Bob Costas. Like, I, just his – the fact that, like, if you listen to him, he's so soothing 
and he could make any situation sound important. Yes. Any situation without even trying. And like, I mean, you, you put him on the nightly news where he's talking about a mass shooting or something. And all of a sudden you're, I mean, you're locked in because he's like, Oh man, like this is, a, this is really important. But like, yeah. he could also be talking about a puppy crossing the road and you're like, Oh, this is important. Like it, he, I mean, the guy is incredible. I, whether I, he's I sitting at a desk, whether he's calling a game, whether he's calling the Olympics, whether he's calling baseball, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. It's him and Vince are like, mm-hmm. and then everybody else. Yeah. I mean, Jim Nance yeah. as well. I think Jim Nance could be up oh, there as well. Jim. Yeah, yeah. I just don't um, see Jim Nance as a baseball guy. No, I just no, yeah, no. That, you hear Jim Nance, I immediately think college basketball and the Masters and the Masters. The two, yeah, the two it's, most opposite. He's like basketball. right, and he's like perfect for the Masters. <laughs> like, oh yeah, as an announcer, he's like perfect for the Masters. Like for the few times that I'll tune in or or at least catch a glimpse of it, you know, just say, "Oh, this is Jim Nance at the Masters," and you're just like, "Oh, big event." Really? The, 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 the iconic, um, the iconic saying at the end, I think, of every single broadcast is "So long, friends." I'm Jim Nance here with CBS Sports. Like, like the "So long, friends" just gives me like chills every time he says yeah. it. I'm like, I'm, really I'm, I'm, like a, I'm a friend. I'm a friend. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I gotta hear my hear my friend Jim talk. You know, today, like you feel like you know him personally just for how inviting. So. <laughs> Um, all right, guys. Well, that was fun broadcaster talk. That got me excited. Um, either way, let's get into some pick 'em before Shelly might have to go. Uh, we've got five- about, before we before we get there, I promise I'll make this quick. Shelly, the last few episodes when you hadn't been here, I have failed miserably to get Brian to go down a rabbit hole. Really? He will dodge them, he will what like jump we just over went down a major I know, I know, but this is the first time in like weeks I've got you to go down a rabbit hole. Most time he like Mario hops over it, like <laughs> you know, just he's he's avoiding him at all costs. I'll take, you know, I'll but take today I on the rabbit hole every time. Exactly. So that's why you and I will, will go down them. But no, Brian will like sidestep them, Euro step them, cross over everything. <laughs> but today he definitely went down it. So it was a win. Look, Thank you. I'll even start talking broadcasting. This is uh, this this was real life application here. And I had a job interview this week, and um, I was going over with somebody the like some tips. It's like I mean, I'm I'm, I'm new into this in the whole career world and everything. So getting tips and into going into a job interview, they said don't go down a rabbit hole, and I'm like, oh, I won't. I am on a podcast every single week with two people that will try to go down a rabbit hole and I have to figure out how to not make them go down a rabbit hole. I was like, I will not go down a rabbit hole. I promise you. That's part of this part of the charm of this podcast. Though, is that that is it, true. It's it so random. And then all of a sudden back on track. As long it's as I'm not like the, as long as I'm not like the Tim McCarver of the podcast and I'm okay. Because like, <laughs> well, I feel like this is a very biased opinion because you know, we're the ones going down, but I feel like our rabbit holes, you know, they're, they're, they're it's, good. it's good talk. It's good talk. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it, I, I mean, I don't know how our, how our fans feel, but I mean, I, I enjoy our rabbit holes sometimes. We haven't gotten any complaints. So, sometimes I get kind of lost in a, in a sporting event on TV and I just kind of let you guys go after it. And then all of a sudden I feel like it's time to be over and I'm like, all right, let's move on. But like, and those, those, I, are the, those are the most fun because like we get all the way down the rabbit hole and then like, Sheldon, I think we like Loki realized that we're down there, and I was like, the one oh, who shoot, actually we got to come back up, bring us back up. Yeah, <laughs> right. We're like, <laughs> hey, we, we got to go back up. Like, it's time, it's time to go back up. <laughs> How far does this go? 
Like I'll be I'll be watching like a baseball game or something. It's like the third inning. You guys are starting the rabbit hole, and I'm just locked <laughs> into the baseball game, watching at bat after at bat. I finally realized that we're at the end of the rabbit hole, and I'm like, it's the fifth inning. Save these guys. Yeah, pull these guys <laughs> back up. It's the fifth inning. Okay. <laughs> we're talking about like some like backlot field in in Southwest Virginia that we both play on. <laughs> right. I love it. I love hey, it. Come on, <laughs> Great field, by the way. <laughs> Great field, all-time field. <sighs> All right, guys, let's right, do pick them. Out of the second rabbit hole. Yeah, um, <laughs> let, let's do pick them here. We got five more picks. I'll update you guys on the standings. Shelley's leading at twelve and two. Went four and one last week. I'm at ten and four. I also went four and one last week because me and Shelley decided to pick the exact same picks. Very independent. Um, and then Mike is seven and seven after going one and four last week. So uh, Mike's got to step it up a little better, else he's going to end up in the doghouse for the rest of the season. Uh, we'll see. Okay. I will. I will have the championship ring by the end of the season. We will see about that. Not if I have anything to say about it. I'm, you know, I'm about to. Get, I'm about to get on a heater. You just okay. wait till I go five and zero every week. So right, like that's seven zero eight Mets right now, getting out to an early lead and then collapsing late. Like every yeah, Mets team, that is just, high, pro, high hopes. I'm just gonna slow play it. We're gonna get there by the end of the season. You know, it's when we crank it up and we realize. It's not always the best team that wins. Who gets the hottest, right? And we're going to be the hottest team when it comes. That is true. So, well, we'll see. Unfortunately, there's no uh, – well, if there is a tiebreaker, I feel like Rock playoffs – Well, playoffs. Wild card game. Yeah. Wild card picks. And then you Fair. move to the division picks, et cetera. I think, I think it could be a good pick. Could be, could be a good idea. All right. Anyways, pick them number one. The New York Yankees at the Cleveland Guardians. I'm gonna go with the Guardians. Well, by, by default, I have to pick last because I'm, you know, in last place. Fair enough. Uh, this is tough for me. I think I'm gonna roll. My gut tells me to go Yankees, but the Guardians pitching is very, very good. And the Yankees build on pretty much exclusively homers. Give me the Guardians. All right. Shelly's going Guardians. So we can, do we make it a clean sweep? I know Mike will not even come close to letting us have a clean, clean sweep. It was two of us last week, and we couldn't even have a clean sweep. <laughs> Mike did go one and four. <laughs> Mike want to start. Mike, you might, you might want to start having those clean sweeps. <laughs> nope. Going to Yankees. You're, Mike, you're in Yankee Mike could be about 45 games back in the third week of the season. Yeah, and I'll still win at towards the end. Like at some point when the season, like when we get halfway in the season, the stuff really kind of starts to take because it's so early right now. So yeah. you can afford to gamble because we're talking about teams that are seven and five and six and five. Like see me in the middle of the season when those series kind of heat up a little bit. But I'll go Yankees. Like hey, playing I- at home. I'll take the Yankees. I get it. How do you come back uh, without without taking some risks? Yeah, you got to. You got to. All right, moving on here. Uh, this is actually well. This could be a big one. It could be a fun one. No Tatis, so it kind of sucks. But um, Dodgers at Padres um, in San Diego. I'm going to go LA though. Um, I don't. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I think the Dodgers are just too good. Although Urias has been struggling, so it might be interesting to see hey, if the Padres can can light him up on Friday. Yeah, I'm, I'm rolling Dodgers too. They're, oh, they're good. 
Clean sweep here, Mike. <laughs> yeah, I'm taking the Dodgers. All right. Yeah, I was thinking so. Yeah. Yeah. Now watch this be the one that we all lose. <laughs> oh, I know. The Padres are gonna take the Padres are gonna sweep the Dodgers or something. <laughs> right. I would oh, be devastated. We we should at some point we should make it so that there's a punishment if you pick a team and they get swept. You I pick a like- team to win the three game series and they get swept. I feel like there has to be a punishment at some point during the season. Maybe after the All Star break or something, we can start right. that. Or like, or like, at, or like, start of June when like guys really start coming back, rosters start to be. Tough, tough part is though, I feel like. Well, no, I feel like it's gonna be hard. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Why not? All right, good, good. We'll we'll talk we'll about it closer it too. Talk about it closer <laughs> too. All right, Marlins and Braves. I I really only put this one on there because um, one, I mean, it could be a good series, although the Marlins can't seem to hit the ball. Um, but uh, there's no Acuna and Austin Riley also is on paternity leave. So could be an interesting thing this weekend. Although Sandy Alcantara did just pitch, so he will likely not throw this weekend. Big blow for the Marlins there. Yeah. I'm rolling with the Bravos. Going with the world series champs, huh? Um, I'm also going to go. We'll talk yourself out of it now. Yeah. I'm also going to go with the Bravos. I, I, I hate that I continue to pick with Shelly, but yeah, I am for reason, right? Yeah. For for this one, as much as I'm gonna hate to agree with you guys, I'm gonna go mm-hmm. Braves because mainly because, like I said, Alcantara threw today against the Cardinals. Uh, Pablo Lopez, who's pretty much at number two, throws tomorrow. So going into Friday, you know the Braves are gonna miss their two top guys. You know, there. So, I mean, Lazardo <clears throat> will probably factor. No, because Lazardo threw yesterday. He may throw like towards the end of the weekend, but it, I don't know. I think that they, because they missed some of their bigger guys there, that this might be, you know, the one that the Braves win. I think, uh, hold on, let me see here. Yeah, right. Right still went on Friday. Yeah, it's okay. right versus Rogers. Yeah. And Rogers 0-2 with a 12-15 ERA. He's doing that thing where he gives up a lot of runs. Yeah, he's doing his best Brian impression. Oh, that was the layup. I get it. It was. I get it. It's the first one on the show in a while, so forgive me, Brian. It's the first one. Uh, another uh, – I'm not going down a rabbit hole here. This is a quick story. <laughs> um, I, I was talking to somebody this week uh, at, at Randolph-Macon. And they were joking about me throwing out the first pitch on Tuesday at the at the rivalry game against Hampton City. We were just joking. We were, we were he was joking about it, obviously. Um, and he goes, "You'd want to do that?" And I was like, "Well, it would almost be as many pitches as I threw in my entire career there, so that'd be a good start." And so it felt pretty good. That was a pretty good joke on my end, at least. It it sounds a lot worse now that it's scripted and I'm reading it aloud, but. Um, it was really funny in the time being, and it got a few laughs. So, very proud of myself on that one. No, good, good, good example of self-deprecating humor. So. Yep, good yeah. self-chirp, self-chirp. Yeah. Yep. Got a lot of those good self-chirp. Yep. All right, back to action. Here we go. Blue Jays at Astros. Uh, Jose Altuve landed on the IL. Um, bit of news for you there, but um, Jose Altuve did land on the IL, and uh, yeah, that's really the only bit of news there. I think Verlander throws this weekend. I think I'm still going to roll with the Blue Jays here. Here we go. Me and Shelly differ. I'm going the Astros. 
even though even though they've been kind of they've been kind of streaky to start the year. Uh, uh, Jordan Alvarez comes back, and I like I like the Astros to start swinging a little bit. That's, that'll be a really fun series of high scoring. Yeah. Gonna go Blue Jays. All right. Gonna go Blue Jays. I think that, and here, not that we're asking for player predictions, but I think Springer probably has a really big series for them. That, oh yeah, that narrative is gonna be. I think he has a really good series for them. Uh, Springer left today's game with a right forearm contusion, so I don't All right, know. Cool. So I I'm don't go know. with the uh, Blue Jays. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. We're just going to die on this hill. We're all with the <laughs> right. I'd, I'd, I'd keep me. Uh, I'd, I'd stay updated on that one, but I don't know if he's playing. He, he left tonight's game, so I, they just said he's being further evaluated. We'll see. We'll see. But um, all right, White Sox at Twins. Waiting for Carlos Correa to go get going. He has been. Very mediocre start season. Um, so the really the Twins lineup in general has been very mediocre. And the White Sox had about the worst first two innings that I think I've ever seen from a baseball club um, today against the Guardians. Gave up 11 and two innings. I'm still going to roll with the White Sox. I've picked them twice and might as well just keep rolling with what works, right? Yep. I'm rolling with you on that one. I also think the Twins are frauds. I've... I've got a spreadsheet where I've put that in, in writing and I just want to make sure when I forget when they're in the mix, eventually at, at the all-star break to remember that they are frauds. I can agree. I'm agreeing there. I'm going White Sox. Yeah, I'm going twins. All right. No rhyme or reason. Just have to be a contrarian at some point during these. I, I, I hate that I'm saying this because I love Keiko, Um, but He's not throwing this weekend, so I'm picking the White Sox. But Buddy's day today was was about as bad as it gets. Let me just read you his stat line today. Fall from grace. He's like Rick Porcello in my eyes now. He threw, he threw game one of the doubleheader. Here we go. Here we go with this Dallas Keuchel stat line. One inning pitched. He threw 48 pitches, okay? 48 pitches. So every – Every five pitches, or, excuse me, every six pitches, he was giving up a run. He gave up 10 hits. Oh, excuse me. Actually, less, a little over five pitches. Every, every five pitches, he was giving up a run. 10 runs, eight earned, one walk, zero strikeouts in one inning. Imagine giving up a run every five pitches. Well, at least you know he didn't leave the ballpark tired. He only gave up one home run. It was a grand slam to Jose Ramirez, who, by the way, already has two this season. But great him. Free Dallas Keuchel, dude, you were like – didn't he win a Cy Young? Yeah, he did. Yeah. So, like I said, he is, he is like Rick Porcello in my eyes now. I am um, very unhappy to – uh, announced there that I that I, I took the White Sox first five innings money line there, and they were down ten to zero in the second inning. That'd be tough, tough go there for the kid. Um, but yes, that uh, Dallas Keiko was not throwing this weekend, so therefore I am taking the White Sox. I believe would that line up Lance Lynn? I don't think I don't know. Lance Lynn might come back this week. I don't know when he's supposed to come back. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I, was looking at their, I, think, I was looking at their Friday starters. They don't have anybody announced yet. I think Ooh. I know I know Dylan Cease should throw this weekend. 
Lance Lynn. Uh, Cease is throwing. Cease is throwing um, Thursday's game. Hmm. Also, um, pretty cool thing here. Anthony Goes got a win today. I believe that is the first of his major league career. Former outfielder that decided to just throw a hundred off the bump later late in his career. That's cool. kind of awesome story. Yeah, yeah. He came in, uh, got four punchies and one point and one and two thirds innings. Yeah, that is his first career win. That's sick. Yeah, pretty awesome. Road to two hundred. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, only if they were here. Road, to, road to Cy day. Young's five eleven. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, Get away. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. So we will see how that ends up panning out for us. Shelly and I had differed on one. And so uh, I can, I can move up to one game back or three games back. We'll see. Mike, you got some work to do though. All right. Yeah. 500 Mike. record and pick them isn't necessarily fantastic. Hey, it's not losing record you are correct i wish i could like it is you still give yourself a, you still give yourself a fighting chance right because yeah. like if you get too if you get super hot now but then like you cool off if i just keep if i stay steady i give myself a chance down the stretch to to win oh we're staying hot all season so what mike is doing if he if he does turn it around this week he's doing what the 2021 cardinals did start off okay fall apart and then come back 2019 yeah, Nationals started 19 and 31, won the World Series. That is true. So well, Atlanta, Atlanta Braves were 500 in July. Yeah. You're only giving me more, like, reason or more ways to kind of throw this back in your faces later. When You know what? Create yeah. a storyline. Get a storyline. That's, and that's you what know, you know what? Ha- you know what? Shelly's Shelley's first um, – first, uh, uh, anal- analogy there, yeah, I guess kind of analogy, is – the Cardinals from 2021. Mm-hmm. They didn't win the World Series though. It's okay, but we set a record. Okay, set a record. Set a club record of 17 straight. And if you if you guys haven't Records noticed 22, by now, right? Indians yeah, 22. So. Yeah, yeah, I think in 2016, um, right? Yeah, that was a crazy, crazy run. Mm-hmm. If you guys haven't noticed by now, I enjoy narratives and storylines. Oh, um, so. That's just like creating my own sometimes. You know, what would you say, Shelly? Control the narrative. It's more fun. Control the narrative. Yeah, we're just going to control the narrative for the first little bit. You know, oh, hey, man, you know, just take it one day at a time. You know, we'll, you know, it's got to, you know, get back in it somehow. Take one weekend pick at a time. And then all of a sudden, just blow the doors off the place. Put your shoes on one at a time. Yeah. You know, and then take, you put three, <laughs> take three strikes to get a guy out, you know. <laughs> Simple. It's it's the big leagues, man. Um, Shelly, are you staying with us? I am about to peace out, fellas. All right, my friend. All right, brother. Have best a good of luck one, uh, this weekend. I did not look to see who you guys play, but best of luck. Play St. Joe's. They're, oh, they're heading, up, heading up to Philly? No, no, they're coming oh, down. down. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Well, enjoy the home 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 field advantage and uh, head another nuke for us. Be fun. That's the plan. That's the plan. <laughs> All right, we'll catch you later. All right, brother. All right, Mike. Well, got to go. A few things to talk about here. Not, not a lot. Not yeah. a lot. Um, but as of right now, when this podcast is being recorded, and when you are probably possibly listening to this on Thursday morning, 
Miguel Cabrera has 2,999 career hits. He got three. He went three for four tonight against the Yankees, um, which put him at 29.99. And uh, tomorrow they play at one o'clock. Um, or Thursday they play at one o'clock against the Yankees, and um, he has a chance to hit number 3,000. And I did. I really just wanted to bring this up before he got 3,000 because I mean, he's my favorite player ever. He's the reason why I wore, I wore 24 for the last how many years of my baseball life? I mean. Probably seventy last the, the final seven years of my baseball career, um, and so Miggy, Miggy's my guy. But I'm uh, I'm excited that he's going to hit number three thousand, and um, and hopefully he does it tomorrow because I can watch the entire game tomorrow. Yeah, I I hope he does for your sake too. Like you know, when you're following your favorite player, especially when they get into a big milestone. You know, if you can't be there in person, you at least want to be able to see it and not necessarily see the highlights of it. You know, even though you know that's going to last longer, but it's still just that moment of saying, hey, I was able to see it, you know, live, or I remember when it happened, you know. So I think it'll happen probably. I wouldn't be shocked if it happened in his first at bat. I mean, he's facing um, a lefty in Montgomery. Favor, you know, more favorable matchup. I mean, Miggy's one of those guys who's going to hit anybody well, left or right, you know, but facing a guy like Montgomery, I think that, you know, he's the guy that gives gives up that big hit. Um, <clears throat> for my money, second greatest. Okay, I'm going to say something's going to sound a little against what I normally say. From a productivity part and, and, and longevity, I'm honestly willing to say that Cabrera is probably the best pure right-handed hitter, just overall hitter hmm. that I've seen. Right now, Pujols, like, he had a better stretch. He had a higher peak, hmm. you know, and I think he's more feared, you know, overall. But I think as far as if you just talk just flat-out hitting, I wouldn't be mad if somebody put Miguel Cabrera above Pujols. But like I said, I – those two are one A and one B for me. It depends on what level of hitting we're talking about. Um, but it's it it will be dope to see, you know, Miggy be that guy. Yeah. Um, and I mean you talk about the longevity. He is thirty nine years old right now. And mm-hmm. in thirty six at bats, he's batting three thirty three. Um, with only three RBIs because nobody else can hit the ball in the Tigers. Worst hitting team in the majors. <laughs> but um I mean, it still hasn't hit a home run yet this year, so he's still sitting at 502, which he got over 500 last year against the Blue Jays. But um, which, again, this is one, another reason why I wanted to see number 3,000. Uh, I, I have to watch number 3,000 because I missed number 500 because I was at a wedding. Um, but I will see number 3,000. So, um, I mean, just the longevity. I mean, he's he's not quite old, Miggy. He's not triple crown Miggy anymore. He's not going to hit 40 home runs and bat 350. But batting 330 through – nearly a month of the season is, is pretty well, actually not quite a month of season uh, through about 15 days of the season is, is pretty dang impressive. Yeah, no, For I, I agree. Especially. I agree. Like I said, just to be able to see, you know, what he's been able to do is going to, you know, it, it definitely ranks up there for me, you know, like I said, and that's why I said longevity because he didn't really have any, you know, in that stretch, you can't really pick out any down, down years you know even years it's just like yeah it's not like a normal miggy year it's still a lot better than the league average right mm-hmm. so pool is steep that he fell off of 
you know, in a sense of like that, I think after like 36, you know, it got real shaky. Yeah, after 36, after his year 30, well, season 36 in 2016, age 36 season 2016, you know, it got real shaky for him for a while. You know, but you look at what Miggy's done from the time he's gotten there, the progression that he's made and the hitter he turned himself into. Um, it's definitely going to be a cool moment, you know, a cool moment to see. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We can move on here. Um, Mackenzie Gore, uh, former, I, I don't think he ever made the number one prospect, but former like top five prospect in baseball made his debut for the Padres. Um also pitched tonight, but um, that is beside the point. He let me go back to his stat line. Uh, he has had a fantastic start to his major league career. In his uh, two games, his, his, his debut, he got a no decision, but uh, five and a third, three hits, two earned uh, with three strikeouts. And then tonight against Cincinnati, uh, by the way, that first that first start was against the reigning world champions. Let's just put that out there. Um, uh, tonight's start against Cincinnati. Got the win, first major league win. Uh, five innings, four hits, no earned, and seven strikeouts. Um, so given, it's the Reds, but uh, they are like 2-11. and 11. However, um, you're facing a big league ball club in your second career start, That's and you're, you're throwing five shutout innings and picking up the win with seven punch outs. That's that's a good sign for the Padres, especially a team that just lost Blake Snell to injury, um, and a, a team that's that has the pieces to contend with the Dodgers, but just seem seems like they can never put it together for for a full season. But uh, Mackenzie Gore looks really good to open his career. Yeah, he does. Like I, I definitely tuned in for the first few innings of that game against the Braves, and as good as advertised. You know, especially to see or, and hear the commentaries talk about how he smoothed out his mechanics because, you know, by all accounts, they felt like he should have made his debut last year. You know, but he struggled with, you know, consistently throwing strikes, you know, but to see him, you know, just kind of go out and do what he did. Definitely, you know, impressive, you know, in that, um, which I, I would be remiss if we didn't at least. And I don't want to take away McKenzie's shine here. But if we didn't at least bring up Hunter Green, like mm-hmm. I think that those two, I know it's we're talking way in the future, but I think that those two have the stuff to be arguably one and two, you know, especially have the young crop of pitchers just coming up. I obviously thought Casey Myers and that, you know, but as far as like that really young crop of guys coming in, um, that they, you know, they could could battle out for some Cy Young titles down the road. Um, obviously Hunter Green throwing, I think he's recorded it's throwing like 39 pitches at hundred plus, you know, his last start, yep. um, you know, but like I said, with him and Gore, you know, especially with Gore for what he did against, um, you know, the lineup against the Braves and then even tonight, you know, it, it's definitely exciting to see some young pitchers who actually feel like they have a grasp and they have the poise, you know, about themselves to be big league guys. Yeah, let's uh, take a look at Hunter Green here. Made his last start on the 10th. So that was, um, I guess that was since we've last recorded. Like that was, um, sorry, before our last episode. So Mm -hmm. our apologies for not really getting to that. But um, that was also against the reigning world champs. His first career start. Got the win. 
First career start, got the win against reigning world champs. Five innings pitched, four hits, three three earned, I believe, all on a homer by Matt Olson. I could be wrong, but I think two, at least two were, were off the Matt Olson homer uh, and seven punch outs in that one. And then this one is was really, really impressive for me. This is on the 16th, um, he, he went to L.A., faced Dodgers, uh, got the loss. However, through five and a third, only five hits, only two runs, had no walks and six strikeouts. For a guy throwing 100 to 102 miles an hour to have no walks in five and a third innings against the best offense in probably baseball history is unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, that's that's and that's incredible it, stuff. It was very close to dominating as he went through. You know what I mean? Even big league. So, yes – you know, you you see guys where it's like some of the information's not out yet on a guy. You know, they haven't really seen him. <clears throat> you know, they may have a lot of information about him, but they haven't been in the box to face him. You know, and you could see some of those awkward swings or just how he had guys baffled there. Um, but it's it, it was just an easy, easy 100. You know what I mean? Like every pitch that jumped out of his hand. <clears throat> I, I would probably say the only person I've seen it through like an easier 100 than him was Bruzard Gratterall. Like, Bruzard just, you know, looked like, hey, yeah, I'm just lobbing it in there, but he's, you know, at 101, 102. Um, but Hunter Green was just as easy and free with that. And you could tell he had, like, a certain maturity about himself on the mound that that moment against the Dodgers didn't get too big with him being back in California where, you know, he grew up a Dodgers fan, been to Dodger Stadium, all that stuff. But he didn't seem like the moment got too big for him. He was in control of what he wanted to do and he executed it. So, yeah. Um, cool little tidbit on Hunter green, which I know it's generally the case with pretty good rookies making their first career starts. Um, but in the first through third inning so far this season, he has only allowed two hits, no runs and has, uh, 10 strikeouts this season. So first time through the order, he's dominant. Mm -hmm. Now, second time coming through, Fourth, fifth, and sixth innings, he's he struggled a bit. I mean, fourth inning, he's got a uh, a four fifty ERA. Fifth inning, he's got a nine. Sixth inning, he's only pitched in one sixth inning, but he only got one out in that sixth inning as a fifty four ERA. So that's very like minuscule um, um, stuff there. But either way, I mean, running running through that first time in the order, so important getting through, especially against lineup like the Braves, lineup like the Dodgers. Uh, Hunter Green's going to be special to come, but I think he needs yeah. to get out of Cincinnati before. Uh... <laughs> He's yeah. going to be there for a while, man. Like, I, I think that they're hitching their wagon to him, you know, over these. I mean, granted, yes, even for arbitration, but he's there for six years. But I think that they are hitching their wagon to him and saying, hey, if nothing else, it'll be that, you know, electric day. You know, when you pitch at home, similar to how it was. Granted, different pitcher, but Felix Hernandez, when he was in Seattle, like the crowd was nuts, you know, anytime he pitched at home. And I think that that's sort of what Cincinnati's going for because, I mean, obviously from their record now, 2-11, and 11, you know, it's probably not going to get much better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, let's move on here to attendance. Um, this was a big topic over the weekend. Um, so the Oakland A's, they play in a 63,000 seat Coliseum. 
which is an old Coliseum. It's a bad Coliseum. It's a bad team that they're putting on the field. It's a bad front office, um, bad coaching staff. But that, that's the side. Their first home series of the 2022 season. Now, again, take for a grain of salt. It was against the Orioles. The A's versus Orioles is not necessarily must watch, much watch, must watch TV. Game one was 17,000. That's a respectable number. Opening day, sure. I mean, you still sit 63,000. You probably should have a little more than 17, but I digress on that one. This is the worst numbers that I have seen in a baseball game's attendance, not including the fanless baseball games that we got in 2020. In game two, they had 3,700 fans. 3,700 and a 63,000 seat Coliseum. Okay. Subtract 1,000 from that, and that's that's when you get your game three attendance versus the Orioles. 27,000 or 2,700. Yikes. They need to just give out free tickets at this point. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I just think, don't even allow fans in the stadium. Right? It'd probably be less pathetic. Sure. I, I think what you're seeing, especially in their case, <clears throat> one backlash from the from the lockout. <clears throat> Two, when the team has traded away pretty much all of their stars, you know, lately. And really only one that you've held on to has been uh, Frankie Montas, you know, and everybody's kind of just figuring it's a matter of when, not if, you know, you're, you're trading him. It's hard to kind of get behind or at least want to spend your money to go to that game. Right. But then you also look at it. Hey, it's Oakland, the Warriors basketball team, you know, they're still in that area, you know, so it, you have other things to do besides go see a crappy baseball team, but also their willingness to not spend. And now it being so publicized, like, yes, it was cool when they were doing Moneyball with Billy Bean and they were winning games and being competitive. But now when you're not even being competitive at what you did best during those times, like the fans have every right to, you know, seemingly protest or just not show up, you know, and the fact that we've heard on several occasions that, you know, there have been talks about Oakland moving to Vegas or somewhere else. Why would a fan base want to come out and support a team that's probably trying to plan their exit anyway? So if anything, they're helping them leave because the low attendance gives them more of a reason and more of an initiative to pack up and go. Um, so it's, it's, I mean, it's a sad thing because you also think about how historic the athletics are, not from a standpoint of always winning, but when they went from, you know, Philadelphia to being out there in Oakland and, you know, the teams with Ricky Henderson, Dennis Hackersley, you know, those guys. But then to Bash see Bros. where Bash Bros. Yeah. You know, but then to see where things are now or even um, the Eric Chavez led teams, Miguel Tejada, you know, those guys that were there that started to build something. And now it's just like for not, you know, all because an owner doesn't want to. Spend, which is stupid to me, because the more you spend, the better your players are, the more money you make in return, because you get more fans. Mm-hmm. You get more of everything, you know, just simply by being willing to spend and you get that money back. There's no way. Like, think about how much money you probably lost when you only sold twenty seven hundred tickets. 
because if we're honest, baseball tickets aren't like they're not expensive per se. You know, yes, like right behind home plate, you're going to pay a nice little amount. But just to get in the stadium, you know, it, it's really not that expensive to, you know, to get a baseball ticket. You know, so now you sold twenty seven hundred, even if every person in there bought, you know, a hot dog and a T-shirt. You still lost probably millions of dollars just in operating alone. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, not a good look. And then. I, I think the Reds are going to quickly follow what has happened in uh, Oakland because it's two front offices that really don't care about ticket sales. Uh, they don't care about the product that's on the field. They don't care about the fact that they're going to lose 110 games. And they truly believe that no matter what the team does on the field, the fans will show up. And I think Oakland is actually just proving a point that no, they're not. Yeah. Great American Ballpark, maybe because of it being a nicer ballpark, but no one's going to show up to the Oakland Coliseum to watch a team win 50 games. No, they're not. It's just, I mean, and it, I it am is. truly, truly happy that the Oakland fans are finally boycotting. Yeah. And I mean, I, I really don't know if it's a boycott or if they just flat out just don't want to go to the games. But I mean, if they are boycotting, good for them. Force your yeah. front office to start being competitive. There's a competitive balance tax now. Yeah. And even if you just try to chalk it up and say, hey, well, they were playing against the Orioles. Yeah, but still, right? Like it's still a Major League Baseball game. They you 2700 at a Major League Baseball game where you have beautiful weather. It's not like they were fighting snow and rain and sleet and all that stuff. Beautiful weather out there. There are high school games that get more than 2,700, mm-hmm. right? Like, definitely some college games that get more than 2,700. But for big league players, you know, and you're saying, well, okay, yes, it was the Orioles, but it's still the fact that if it's a big league game, you know, what dad and son doesn't want to go to a big league game, you know, at least once again, if, if the dad's a baseball fan or if the kid's playing baseball, just to be able to say, hey, I went to the game, but – yeah, you know, the most fans are going to get there are people that are willing to travel there to see other people. So, I mean, yes, the house will probably be a little bit more packed when the Angels come to town so you can see Otani and Trout, mm-hmm. but it's not, you know, those fans that are going to be there when you're playing, you know, a, a different team. You know, if, if, if a superstar isn't coming to town, there's, it's going to be so hard to, to, for them to even give tickets away. Yep. Yep, I agree. I agree. Well, we'll see how this continues. Um, I don't know. Are they at home this weekend as well? Uh, let me take a take a look here. Friday. Friday. They are. They play the Rangers at home, so we will see what that attendance looks like. Can't be pretty. We'll see. Yeah. Ugh. Yikes. Uh, might be worse than the Orioles, which, oh, by the way, the Rangers spent like $500 million on two players this yes. offseason, and they're 2-8 and eight to start the season. I digress on that. I'm not going to dig down any deeper than that, but holy. Um, and the crazy part is, is that the A's are 7-6. and six. Yeah, they're winning They're winning baseball games. So are the Orioles. Both teams are yeah. winning baseball games. I mean, the, the standings are a, little, are a little jacked up right now, but I mean, oh, Baltimore's 4-8. and eight. They were actually a little better, yeah. a little worse than I thought, but I mean, Oakland's 7-6. and six. They're above Houston. Right now, 
It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It really is. Um, Okay, well, let's move on to our last topic of the night. Uh, Kyle Freeland, the Rockies, throwing out a little bit of cash to one of their starters. Um, Kyle Freeland gets a five-year, $64.5 million contract with Colorado to stay there and and pitch in lovely old cores, the pitcher's ballpark that everyone dreams of pitching in. Um, (laughs) Don't know why you signed this extension, but – Good for the Rockies. They signed their guys because they didn't used to do that under the older ownership. But here we are. It's an it's a, it's a new dawn in uh, in in uh, in Denver, and we'll see if they like to keep their stars around this this go round, which they already dealt Tapia, so maybe not. But we'll see. Right. So, real quick take on it. I think that. Kyle Freeland signs the deal that he does <clears throat> to avoid going into an open market later because he's seen how the open market treated John Gray. In a lot of ways, they're similar, just one's right, one's left, you know, but the perception that they're now, the pitchers are going to have leaving, you know, Colorado is going to slow down their market. I think the only one who probably won't get hit with that just because he's that much better um, is Herman Marquez. Like, you know I mean? Somebody will go and pay, you know, bigger dollars for him. But for, you know, a guy like Kyle Freeland that, you know, you see what open market did for John Gray and you're like, eh, okay, let me just go ahead and take this secured money right now. Like the secure bag, I will take that. And, you know, I'm good with 64 and a half over five, you know, instead of possibly getting a one-year deal somewhere else. Um, you know, I'll take the money and go. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't blame him for earning that, earning that bread and yeah. making your living. Um, but pitching in cores is going to be a, a fun time for the next five years. So we'll we'll see how that goes for him. Um, but I don't really have much else to talk about on that front. I don't know about you. No, not at all. I'm no. surprised the Rockies even made our show. So kudos to the Rockies. Yeah, usually they don't. Usually they do not. But they're actually playing some decent baseball right now. They're hitting. They're hitting the baseball now. They gave up nine runs to the um, Phillies today when lost nine to six. However, um, they're scoring some runs. CJ Crone is mashing baseballs, so that's always fun to see. In course, you get somebody like that to just mash baseballs into the concourse in left field. It gets pretty fun out there in Denver. Um, but. We will see you guys next week. Make sure you go follow us on Twitter at Third Base Dugout and catch out Shelly's games this week uh, at home against St. Joe's at the Diamond in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, so go check that out. And uh, we appreciate you guys listening. Keep watching some baseball. Enjoy the game. Maybe go out to a game at the Oakland Coliseum this weekend. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go first. <laughs> go Cards. Go Tigers and go Mickey. Get that 3,000 tomorrow. Let's go.